It's like a Greyhound bus going up your backside. Welcome to the Beat Around the Bench podcast. Podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery. With your hosts, Jess of Jess Builder, Colton of Cold Crit, and Ross of RNC Woodworking and Designs. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Now for episode 40, Menace to Society. Menace to Society. Is that a is that a movie? Or is that it is? I mean, I've it's a little bit it. of a little bit of everything. It is uh it is definitely an action movie. Okay. But uh, if you've ever seen like Boys in the Hood or even uh, the Will Smith and Martin Lawrence uh, Bad Boys movie, it's in that same kind of vein. And uh, it's it's a good one. Menace to Society 2 was actually a better movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Is it is it Menace to Society or don't be a Menace to Society while drinking your juice in the hood? That was the the spoof of this. Okay, got it. Yeah. Oh, I, I need to watch that. That's. Do you think that's streaming somewhere? I mean, it's oh, got to yeah. be in the ethos yeah. somewhere. Oh yeah, it's out there. All so right, I'll, I'll check it out. Is it worth the watch? I mean, it's pretty solid. I mean, there are other ones I would put in front of it. I mean, there are forty other titles you could go through. Not that all of them would be before this one, but uh, it's it's a solid flick. All right. So, so boys, how cool. you doing? So. I'm doing great. Yeah. I, I got some questions for you guys. Um, okay. I love your feedback, your personal opinions, and all the above. So I guess to start off with, um, as far as finishes, right? Like looking at like matte versus semi-gloss versus gloss. Uh, first off, I guess what's your personal preference on like what? But then also like the strengths of each, because I have a hunch, right? I have a hunch that when it comes to like polyurethane, that the gloss is stronger. I, I think it might hold up longer. It may not keep its gloss longer, but I think it may hold up longer because I know with like the semi-gloss and definitely the matte, they add some sort of, I want to say tannin, but I, I, I know that's not the word, but they add something to it. Right. So like if you, I've, I've had it happen before where if you don't stir it before with like mm-hmm. a, the, the matte finish, um, it will like the, the little things that make it matte will sink to the bottom and your board will come out like white and nasty. And you got to sand it off. And so I, I'm thinking that gloss is stronger. Do y'all, do y'all know anything about that? You I'm go first. Just... I have a huge opinion of it. No, no, you go first. Okay. I have a huge um, opinion about this. Huge opinion. So personal preference, I prefer semi-gloss. Unless it is something that I know is going to be like a high touch point area, like a door frame or something like that, that's going to have a lot of fingerprints and stuff. Strangely enough, high gloss work better on those things. But it depends really on what the customer wants. When it comes to polyurethanes, I always prefer a water-based versus an oil-based. But the majority of the time I've had to work with polys, it's because there's some sort of a a white paint finish that they want protected, and it's a whole rigmarole going on that. Uh, I, I try and stay away from polyurethanes. I have 
gone more towards uh, Halcyon wherever possible. I think it's a stronger finish overall. Uh, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do use a lot of lacquers and I've been using lacquer a lot, in fact. But yeah. So I, I thought lacquer is a little different. Lacquer like sinks into the wood, right? Yes. And that's why I think it seals it better and protects it better. Plus it also self-levels mm-hmm. and self-regulates. So you don't but get it, as many streaks and stuff. Like, that's for indoor stuff, though, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Are we talking outdoor stuff? Uh, I mean, sorry, uh, you're jumping a little bit on me. Um, are we talking or, like, outdoor okay, uh, things? No, uh, indoor or outdoor. Um, which uh, I'm using water-based polyurethane on my cornhole boards, even though they're meant to be outdoors. But it's not like a permanent outdoor fixture, right? Because it's got like, electronics in it. Like you can't yeah. leave that out in the rain all the time, but which I do think yeah. my boards could handle a few rains, but yeah, sorry. Go ahead. But so I, I, I didn't specify indoor outdoor, but how about you, Jess? It's my turn. Yeah. So the, I would, if I could use anything, I would probably use lacquer, right? Spray lacquer especially because lacquer chemically bonds to its last layer. It kind of like etches the layer below it. So sanding in between, and you can put lacquer on 20 coats deep and buff it out. They use black lacquer to make like high-end doors and buff them out with polishers and stuff on high-end homes. Like it's crazy. But as far as what you were talking about, matte versus satin versus semi-gloss versus, you know, gloss being more durable, all finishes uh, for instance we're talking about polyurethane water-based polyurethanes and oil-based polyurethanes are made up of emulsifiers and solids and there's some sort of balance i think you're right with like how much solids they put in versus like say water in a water-based polyurethane in the mat in the satin in the semi-gloss if you ever put on like semi-gloss uh, polyurethane, it's kind of plasticky, like it has more acrylic in it, you know, because that's really what it is. It's acrylic. And and Matt, I think you're right. There's some sort of like silica powder or something that's in it that's giving it that matte. I yeah, found, it might be silica. That, that might be the word. Um, it, they, positive, it might but. be. It might be that, yeah, you definitely have to stir them because you'll I've even had them where you'll feel like a goo on the bottom of a can, a brand new can that's been sitting on the shelf, which is the Mm -hmm. solids. It's just the polyurethane actually in the bottom of it in a water emulsion. Uh, Old base does the same thing. You'll feel it. You'll feel like you pull your stick out and there'll be like a goo and you got to kind of like remix it into the stuff. Yeah. I've definitely seen that with, um, with the oil base. That's just, yeah. Yeah. I just don't know if one's more durable than the rest. What I will say is that, Semi-gloss tends to go on thicker, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Thicker than, than even thicker than, than matte or thicker matte. than gloss? Yeah. Thicker, thicker than, than a snicker. Matte. I would yeah. say it goes on thicker than matte. I mean, because yeah. you can really see your brush marks in it more. Um, but in general, it's going to feel more durable because less things are sticking to it. Right? It's more likely to resist abrasion. Maybe micro-scratching, no, but um, I think that I really like matte though, because sometimes I feel like matte's harder, but semi-gloss is more durable. 
Does that make sense? Like I that, have a feeling just feels like it's pretty strength, hard. strength versus hardness. I'm I'm talking about durability versus hardness. I which feel hardness like, being too hard can be hard can be a problem because it can scratch easily. I feel like the the higher the gloss, the the more I guess durable it is. Yeah, I would say that's true. Okay, that because uh, yeah, I echo both of y'all on that. I I feel the same way. So what brought the question up was I ran out of um. So I use semi gloss now on our cornhole boards, right? And I've used everything in between uh, matte and gloss, but I ran out of my semi gloss today, and uh, just like a water based polyurethane, um, like the. I think my favorite one right now is the Minwax, uh, polycrylic, they call it. Um, mm-hmm. And all I had left, which I had to get these boards out today, and uh, all I had left was a gloss finish. And so I used that, and I kind of liked it, you know? And, like, um, I've always been kind of a matte guy, right? Like, I'd rather, like, oil and wax like a piece of furniture, then do something that's going to shine, make it shine. Right. Maybe like mm-hmm. a little bit of shine. And then I don't know. I caught like myself a satin liking finish. gloss. Yeah. Satin. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Wait. Um, I guess satin's below semi-gloss. Yes. yes it's in between yeah, satin. Yeah, or in between matte. Matte. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so, yeah, I brought that question. I was like, I, I think I might like this, this gloss stuff. Um, so, so I was considering I, going forward, but I was between semi-gloss or gloss. I have but an important question because I actually got, um, I was having a phone call with my wife's cousin, who is an avid listener to the podcast. And she was actually asking right. if you had finished all the boards that have orders. <laughs> She wanted to know what the count is at because we haven't talked about it in quite some time. Mm. All right now. Um, I mean, we can save it for later. <laughs> but well, one I, side note, one side note before you go into that. So we used to do everybody wanted everything in satin. Everything mm-hmm. at my old shop. Everything was in satin. Very rarely did you get somebody want something shiny that was like way out because we did a lot of rustic stuff. Flat was too flat especially like with paint. Cause like, you know, these fingerprints and stuff. Right. So we started mixing half and half the poly, the minwax f- matte and satin together. And it creates like an eggshell almost. It's not completely flat, but it's not got any like super Whoa. sheen to it. It was the most beautiful finish and it seemed pretty durable too. So you can try that with like satin and semi-gloss and you can get right there in the middle of those two. You can try it with, you know, uh, uh, semi-gloss and gloss and get right in the middle of those two. Don't be afraid to mix them. Uh, You just have to like go and buy two full gallons and then mix them in a big two-gallon bucket, right? And um, it's quite interesting because if you know you're going to use it, you might as well do it. But the the matte and the satin mixed together made a really pretty finish. It was like velvet. It was really good. Oh, dude, I love that. So, Jess, yeah. I'm glad you said that. Um, if I feel like uh, I don't want to put you in a, no one puts a baby in a corner, right? But in general, 
you're very by the book, right? Like, um, this has a job, everything works this way. But I feel like with finishes, you're like the wild, wild west, man. Like you're mixing stuff together. Like you you talked about it before. And like, I'm like, Oh, that sounds reckless. Like you're talking about doing something on the floors before, like, uh, some sort of mixing stuff. I was like, man, really getting after it. But, um, I I mean, I like to, uh, with finishes, you know, you, you can, you can try it out, try it out on anything. You know what I mean? Just make you a little piece of wood and and try it on something and see what it does. I've mixed stain with polyurethane before. Like I've done all kinds of different stuff. See if I could do it one coat. We had a big problem, which what Ross was kind of alluding to earlier is people wanted painted distressed furniture, but they wanted a top coat on it. And when you put a top coat, it makes it yellow. There's nothing you can do to keep it from yellowing. So I quit doing it. Like you get it. You're going to get it either heavily distressed and it's going to get some yellowing coming through or you're going to get it very, very lightly distressed and we're going to use the satin paint. And you're it's not going to be satin where it's distressed like that. This is what you're going to get. And there is no – I mean you can pick any of them. General finishes, polycrylic, everything from Home Depot, the most expensive stuff. And it goes on crystal clear. But it's it as it's drying, it's creating a vacuum and it pulls tannins through the paint usually, or it has some sort of yellow tone to it. You just don't see it unless it's over bright white. I will say I have done extensive and I mean extensive trials on this because I had a lot of designers that wanted everything protected and they had to have it crystal clear, but they had to have white furniture. And it was mostly on built-ins, which is another reason I hate built-ins. But um when, when oh this is more of trauma based your your hate yes. for built-ins yeah yes. uh okay. so i will say the minwax water-based polycrylic that one yep. actually has zero yellowing characteristics to it on a true white paint but it took me a lot of trials to get to that point so if you're ever looking for one, if you're painting something white and you need to put a finished coat on it, the Minwax water-based polycrylic is the only one that I've seen that does it. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's I your, love that one. Yeah, it's your best bet. It's your best bet. But I, I have a question about your trials. Uh, sorry, Jess, what? before you get on with it, uh, did you trial out the uh, the water-based bear? Um, I tried probably Never thirty. I, I tried literally 30 different polyurethanes, and unfortunately, there was one time I tried it actually on the tabletop, and I, I had painted everything white, and then I put it on, and then it yellowed by the next morning, and I had oh. to stand down the entire tabletop, repaint it, and it was ridiculous. I actually found, in all honesty, yeah. that... Um, uh, I almost had to do like a light coat of misted paint on top as well. And it's, it sounds weird. You do, you do that while to, it's still wet or like after it's kind of cured? Like after the, poly- the polyurethane has cured, I would do basically like a one to five ratio of paint to water. And I would put that on top and that seemed to either completely stop or slow down the yellowing by like years. Mm. I I did a bunch of white furniture 
in different types of wood. Even some of it was like veneers and things like that. We painted it white and then we, we top coated it. General finishes did pretty well. The polycrylic did pretty well. But then I saw some of it like two years later mm-hmm. and it was yellow as the day is long. They just didn't notice it because it did it so slow. Yeah, over time. I I would like to revisit that one day and see if there's some sort of like oil base primer that you could put underneath it um, that would keep it from sucking it through the paint, the tannins through the paint or whatever. Because they would do it specifically like over knots and stuff. So you know, I did notice when and, you put um, um, uh, uh, the oil-based uh, uh, wood conditioner, that would even it out quite a bit to where you wouldn't mm. get it nearly as violent because it would it would almost seal up a lot of the pores, huh? and it makes it a little bit more even-toned. I did find that out the hard way as well. Wood mm. conditioner, is that like like the pre-stain? Or Basically, is that- yeah. Okay. Yeah. The what we did start doing is like if they just were like, look, we you know, we would wax it with a clear wax. Uh Annie Sloan chalk paint, they make a furniture wax that's white, it's like clear, and we would wax the paint, even though it was already satin, with that, and that would kind of smooth out, and that doesn't yellow. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't really last very long. You no. know, it's not for something very durable. Um, but that's interesting. The misting with watered down paint. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, oh, anyway. I, I, I did get a set of boards back in my shop this week. Um, it's from a, a local guy. Uh, he's ordered from me twice now, like sets of uh, cor- these cornhole boards with like the full out tier three boards. And um, the uh, something is going wrong with, on with the electronics. Like he's the only customer this has happened to, but like it's uh I went over to his house and we like AB tested everything and the it's something in the controller. Like, um, so his was when I was still using the go V lights and the the controller for the LEDs is in line. Right. And so it's like straight from power to controller to the other one, which nowadays we're using a controller that uses, a has, has a separate remote, I guess. So the controller is still in line, I guess, but just their buttons are on a separate. Can you change out the controller? Um, I, I'm going to have to, that, that was the first thing I was going to try. So I was going to try to cut the wires and splice in a new controller. Cause I have some extra or like some other lines that I could cut the controller off of and try to in, do those. If not, then I'm just going to have to tear out all the whole backside and redo the LEDs, which is not impossible, but, um, with the way we're doing them now, but, um, but the reason why I brought that up was because uh, I was looking at the polycrylic finish on it, and it's done all right over a year, which I can't remember how many coats I did on his first set. Like, I know they were rushed, and so I don't know if I did a sufficient amount of coats. But um, it's holding up decent, but I could tell in another year it may be, like, getting a little bit more rough and, like, ready for another coat. And so that kind of goes with what I was thinking. I was picturing – for these cornhole boards, maybe like two years for like this water-based polyurethane, like in two years you you need to refinish it and like do a light sanding and refinish. You know, you should do this guy a solid, right? Well, you should do a solid and just put an extra coat on on it. That's, Oh yeah. I I am. I am. Um, Yeah. His his name's Arnufo. Uh, If if he's listening, I'm going to give him a shout out, but uh, yeah. 
also his place is awesome. Like I, I wish I had his house. It, um, so he's actually in like an industrial area. Like, so there's warehouses on each side of him, but he has like, like a real long plot of land, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, but in the front he has like a shop and then he has a pond in the middle and in the back, he's got a warehouse and he has a 1925 Ford in there. That's oh. working, functioning. Like, so next year it's going to be a hundred years old. Like wow. the, the spokes on the wheels are wood. And uh, awesome. I got down and looked at it. I was like, I asked him what kind of wood it was, you know, just out of habit, but he, he didn't know. But the way it had weathered and everything, it looked like it was oak. Like, I wonder what they, they used to ash. make those spokes out Could of. Be. It is ash. Yeah, ash? And I only know that right. because I have uh, quite a few people up in my area who are Model A car collectors. Is and, that what uh, this one was probably? Yeah. In the early yeah. 20s, that's probably what it was. Uh, but when they were making any kind of wooden wheels or wood parts for cars, they were made out of ash. Because it was it was a little bit more nice. durable and yeah, readily available. Um, speaking of ash, do y'all think this this is ash? Like a stained ash? This is the the box for the whiskey of the week. Um, that looks like plywood. No. That looks like. Oh well, no no no! Look right here. It's not it's not plywood. That's it's, true. Um. Do right, you think it's birch then? Or like, maple? I don't know. Is it heavy? Is it maple? Is it like a stained maple? Is, Maybe. Is it heavy? Uh, No. No. The side grain. Yeah, it's probably some sort of like, pine. It almost looks like mahogany on the side grain. I know it's not mahogany, but I'm saying it has like that. You know what? I It might be maple. Like, like, a, like a soft maple or something. Hmm. But on this note, it's kind of funny. The guy at the liquor store... Uh, I bought his last bottle of it and yeah. um, he was like, Oh, look at this box. Like we even like opened the box and we're talking about it when he was checking <laughs> me out and he was like, Oh, isn't that an awesome box? And um, I was like, yeah, it's really well done. But I mean, it's, it's not that well built, honestly, not to critique it, but it uh, <laughs> like, it's, it's cracking at places. It's basically just like stapled almost yeah. plywood. But, but yeah. So you never so answered the question. Change. Yeah, that's true. What are the what? board oh, counts? Oh, next question? At? No, the board counts. What are we at? Oh. Um, so <laughs> you got real <laughs> depressed there. Yeah, well, just for, for full transparency, I don't know off the top of my head what the number is right now. Um, the last week has been a blur. Um, I, I've shipped two sets this week. Uh, That's good. Which is awesome. And... Um, which I'm still behind schedule from the last time I made a schedule, but I'm getting better at making schedules, I guess. Silver lining, trying yeah, to find yeah. it. <laughs> but I honestly, I don't know what, what I'm at right now. Um, I'll make a note right now to absolutely make sure I know where I'm at for next week. Okay. And thank you. Th- thanks for asking, man. I need, I need, I need accountability on it. Honestly. Um, it, it yeah, it's been interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I've gone deep before on it, but yeah, you know where I'm at, but yeah, oh, uh, we're almost there. Yeah. Like, it, it's weird. Like I, it's like, I'm taking one step forward and then two steps back every time. And I'm so close to being out of this tunnel, but then it looks so long whenever I put it on paper and then stuff goes wrong and it slows me down and whatever, uh, not making excuses. I, I'm so 
ready to be done with it. And I'm going to throw a freaking party whenever, <laughs> whenever, the last we, we, chips. whenever I have a clean slate and we can do stuff responsibly going forward. And well, I'm going to throw a that, freaking party. What, one thing that I would say to put it into context is whether you have a hundred boards to do Colton or you have two, the speed is still going to be pretty much the same, right? I mean, you don't want to rush anything. So it doesn't really matter what point you're at. If you can do two sets a week and that's like hard and you're, that's like kind of like your max, then it's two sets a week. That's all you can do. You know what I mean? Like you can't, if you've got a hundred sets to do, that doesn't mean, oh, well, maybe this week I can do five. No, you can do two sets a week. That's it. Mm-hmm. If you Even if you like totally focus. It's like that with, with me. Like I can only do so much in a week. Like even if I have a ton of work to do, I can still only do what I can do in a week without sacrificing quality. You know, you can only go so fast. You can only be so efficient. Certain things just take a certain amount of time. Exactly. So, Man, honestly, uh, the biggest thing to hold me up is just, yeah, um, in my head, man, um, like the analysis paralysis, uh, is what I call it. It was what we've been calling it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not as productive as I could be and I know it. And sometimes I waste time and like with the whole productive procrastination thing, um, I can get carried away with that and, um, just trying to cheer myself up in the shop and, yeah, it, it 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 it's been dark, man. Like, like it, it's yeah. Weird. The sun goes down earlier this time and of year. Yeah, this is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah. So it, to sum it up, which I, Ross, I, re- I really appreciate you relaying that question to me. And next week, I will for sure have a solid answer, and hopefully, it's dramatically less than it is right now. So, or at least by two more sets would be good. Yeah. <laughs> if you just did two sets let's a week. Three, baby. Woo. If, no, let's go two. Two sets a week. If you just did, that's four boards. That's yeah. a lot with epoxy pours and clear coats and and mailing it and all that other stuff. That's a pretty well, good goal. Well, I talked to my, sets. yeah, um, I, I agree with you, Jess. Um, but also my neighbor talked to me, to, or I talked to him today. And um, which, I mean, we also had tacos at his house earlier this week. Um, but we, he was planning on maybe starting to work with me again. And so that would be uh, really speeding up production. And um, which, I don't know, it's funny. So he refers to me, like, <laughs> even today on the phone, he was like, yeah, I know you can, whenever you're working on something, you take something that takes two hours, you make it 10 hours. And I was like, well, normally I'm not thought of as that guy, but uh I think he's more of talking about just the attention to detail, but, um, but yeah, which, uh, so if, yeah, he, if he comes on, that'd be good. That'll, that'll help out a lot with sanding and stuff, but okay. Yes. So I do have another question for you guys too. Okay. For those, uh, those original questions. Okay. So I've had, uh, a few people talk to me about this, um, about some of the different like side grain and even charcuterie boards. Um, as far as them oiling them and uh, keeping the wood healthy. Uh, what do y'all think about one um, people putting olive oil on their boards and then two uh, like vegetable oil? Go ahead, Jess. No, I would say no. I think that's going to get gummy over time. The, um, uh, the, the olive oil. They're not 
all of them, they're not refined enough. So like walrus oil and stuff like that, um, they're very refined. Like there is like no impurities left in it. And like, even I can tell you just from like using them in my cast iron pans, like it starts to create a residue over time. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, like a residue, like down in the grains of the wood or like, it's going to get a wood, like, up. It's like physically sticky to touch. Like, a, yes, that is correct. Almost sticky like polyurethane. Yeah. It, you don't want to do that. The walrus oil, like, so we made a, um, we, you can download a little thing or buy a pack of these cards. We send them with all our cutting boards. Uh, I, I, I sent them with mine as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and walrus oil is made up of like mineral oils and coconut oils, but it is highly refined. I mean, it doesn't even really smell. There's and no, it doesn't smell. taste. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. It has it's some waxes gonna, in it too. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. So it's going to make, I think the olive oil and the vegetable oil are going to make it taste like something too. I, I, it, oil goes rancid by the way. Yes. Oil also goes rancid. So it oh. can spoil. So you, I wouldn't put those things on it. I wouldn't oh do man, that. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna text them right after this. What I will tell you, Colton, oh, no. is walrus oil is now sold at every Lowe's in America. So what? They, oh, I, I, yep. so I saw on their social media that they were in stores, but they're in every they Lowe's in America. So they can your nice. customer can go out for six eight dollars. Get themselves some walrus oil and about once a quarter, wash everything down with uh, soap and water, strip it down a little bit, and then put some more walrus oil on there, let it sit overnight, wipe off the excess, and then you're good for another three months. I will tell you, though, don't wash the cutting boards with soap and water like palm olive or whatever every time you use it. That should only be like every now and then. If anything, obviously rinse it off. If you're cutting chickens or things that could carry bacteria, use like a a Clorox wipe and wipe it all down or spray some vinegar spray on there and wipe it down. But do not use palm olive and stuff because it strips out the oils in the wood and it starts to separate that much faster. Oh, you're saying not a degreaser. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, a lemon will kill most germs, won't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can't you cut a lemon in half and rub a lemon on it? That you can, that works but really good. I, poultry is the one thing down. that I'm like, eh, I don't want salmonella. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I yeah, don't think I, I would cut poultry on my wood cutting board unless I had to. No, I typically use, I, I got poultry. one at uh, Costco that had like plastic inserts. There's like 10 of them you can pull out and I cut okay. all the poultry on there, there and then go. I can actually wash it with dish soap. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And um, also, as far as like telling customers how to buy it, um, uh, buy water soil, I, I tell them just get on Amazon and that um, also works. I'll send them a link. Um, and I used to have it, I think I still have it, an affiliate link, which I was meaning to like on that Walrus Oil card that you yeah. sent out, like how to care for your board, like put my affiliate link on a QR code on it. Um, but no, I haven't done that. I, I actually, I should probably talk to Walrus Oil before I do that though. Maybe that's conflicting, but, um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I do have those, uh, walrus oil care cards, Jess, but they are pretty great. Yeah. Okay. Um, Oh, so another question. So, uh, I guess it's becoming a tradition now. Um, every year my, um, my parents buy me a tool, right. For Christmas. 
And um, which last year was a big one, which, you know, is my first year in business. They're kind of celebrating it. I got the, the Festool Rotex. Right? Nice. And, um, and so this year we're on, we're not like uh, on as big of a budget uh, or we are on a budget. But um, it, uh, I got a, a dowel joiner and okay. uh, I actually got to use it while I was at my parents' house celebrating Christmas with all our family. And um, they had like a, this really old, like large wooden, it's like a closet, but like a standalone closet. And then it had drawers below it. And one armoire. of the drawers, a what? An armoire. An armoire. Sounds, sounds fancy. <laughs> yeah. And, um, they, <laughs> um, an armoire. Uh, yeah, so the door had broken on it, right? And like we spent some extra days up there and I helped them fix a lot of stuff around the house. And so I got to use that new uh dowel joiner um to help them. Hang on, fix- what what's a dowel joiner? You mean is it like a dowel jig? Is so what you're pic- talking about? Picture the the Fez tool domino cutter. Uh-huh. A domino joiner. Oh, it's electric. It- yeah, it's exactly like the Festool oh, yeah. domino, except oh, instead of one bit going in and clearing out a domino, it sends two. Um, okay, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it sends yeah, it sends two basically drill bits in and makes dowels. It's like a, it's like a, a biscuit joiner, a plate joiner. Okay, I got you. Very cool. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. They're all exactly the same. Where you get the the main frame that touches the wood, and then. Uh, the actual motor moves towards the wood, right? And that's very cool. Moves independently, but um, so yeah, I got one of those. Um, actually, got like one of the cheapest ones on Amazon. It's like 140 bucks, and which at like almost a tenth of the cost of a domino joiner. I was curious as to y'all's thoughts on like I- I'm sure a domino is better overall, but like two dowels, it's expensive. Like especially if I am cutting the dowels myself in my shop. Yeah. Um, like, is that that much? Like, what am I losing by doing that instead of a domino? Well, it. De- well, the thing is, is that a domino is structurally strong. A dowel mm-hmm. is not, but a dowel will align things much better than a biscuit. I wish that I had a doweling joiner today. Wait, so um, I mean, like a, a three eighths inch like piece of wood is not. How rude. are you gluing it? How so are you it, gluing, gluing it together? So are you talking hold, about like hold on. In, there, in joints? There's a difference here. If it is a pre-done dowel that is like balsa wood or beech, those don't have a whole lot of strength. If mm-hmm. you are using hardwood dowels like yeah, oak or maple, that does add a lot more structural integrity to the joint. To Jess's point, the dowel does both add alignment vertically and horizontally as well as add structural strength. So that's the biggest benefit there and the speed and repeatability. The dowel joiner that you have, you are limited a little bit more based on placement. If you're using, for instance, trying to do a table leg into something and the width of the board you're trying to go into is uh, much thinner than mm-hmm. half an inch. Like if you have a three eighth inch, uh, I don't know why you would, but um even a half inch uh, runner on the table, that's going to be like, that's like, <laughs> not going to lie. Uh, that's like a Greyhound bus going up your backside, coming into that piece <laughs> with the dowel joiner. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I was kind so of more what, what, talking about like gluing a tabletop together and using that to yeah. align it. It's not going to add any strength, but um, yeah, that that is true. If you use the oak dowel, hey man, that's how they used to do everything. Was dowels. Yeah. So I actually yeah. So that I was wondering, like, um, like like what's the benefit of a is a biscuit that much stronger than these? No, a biscuit is not strong at all. No, biscuit Nothing. is only there for oh, vertical one. Sorry. No, sorry um, yeah, uh, sorry. I, I used, to, used to have a biscuit joiner. Um, I meant a domino. Sorry, that's what I'm yes. saying. Yes, a domino yeah, is. is definitely stronger. And then, depending on how large of a domino you're putting in, it right. does add quite a bit of strength to it. Yeah, right. like a 10 millimeter domino. I, there's a guy that actually did it. He tested it, and he did the doweling jig, mm-hmm. and he did like butt and like nailed, and he did all the different stuff, kind of like what Bourbon Moth did. Yeah. a little more and then he did one with dowels versus the domino domino wasn't as strong as i expected but it was still pretty strong i mean if you're really? putting okay. three dowels in as opposed to the one domino yeah. it is going to be stronger yeah. but yeah yeah i will it's say quick and easy i used to use uh i had a dowel jig not a dowel jointer and all of my tabletops before i got the domino were done alignment wise with that I can tell you it was much more of a pain in the ass simply mm-hmm. because there's a little bit more side to side alignment strength with oh, or alignment ease with the domino. If you're off by a 16th of an inch or whatever it is on the dowels, it makes it very difficult to go in. And yeah. it can really, really hard, like, really mess up your day as far as a glue up. So the one thing I will tell you, if you're making your own dowels, you also need to either find a pencil sharpener or some way to round over the edge of the dowels. And that will make your life so much easier. Mm. But your hands also, you're going to notice like you're just trying to hold on to the dowels with your hands as you're turning them on a sander or in the pencil sharpener your hands are going to cramp up like a mofo. <laughs> you yeah. can buy a bag of do- of dowels. Yes. That are pre-done. Uh, and there are and they're knurled too. So they hold better because they've got like a like a texture on them so they cold glue all around. Oh, you you're talking yeah. about like, like like the ribs almost. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Her pleasure. Yeah, which um <laughs> uh which those the ones I've seen from that like I'm not getting any hardwoods though. So it, it's more back on the it's dominant or more beach. on the, uh, like the biscuit, like alignment side, but yeah, you might um, want to find beachwood ones. But I, I did. I haven't used it yet, but I got one of those plates that um, has all the different holes like uh, yeah. from large to small where you can just like um, make your own dowels, which yeah. I, I haven't had making my own dowels yet. I've just been using the ones that came with it. The little uh, probably balsa you said, right. Or something. Yeah. Like some sort of light wood. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, as far as alignment, like I was expecting to have some issue whenever we were fixing that armoire door. Um, but no, it, we plugged it in and it was simple. Like, and cause awesome. I was working with limited tools. Like uh, my dad does have somewhat of a shop, you know, he's got like a miter saw and table saw and stuff, but, um, like clamps, we were scrambling for clamps and I was worried about getting like putting this door yeah. back together and, the dowels made it so easy, man. It was awesome. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I, I, uh, okay. Last question. Um, 
This one's a little more silly. But so have y'all are y'all up on this Stanley Cup trend for the ladies? Yeah, oh all God, the girls like hockey players me. and they want to see the guys oh. who win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Oh, I forgot. We got a hockey player in the mix. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go Blackhawks. Or uh, yep. what, what y'all's saying for the Blackhawks? Uh, uh, yeah, go, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? Hey, I'll be a, I'll be a Hawks fan. Oh, actually, Appreciate it's almost that. sacrilege because I'm from Dallas. And uh, yeah, that means you probably got to be a Stars fan. Yeah. Which I mean. I didn't see the stars much. We did grow up watching like a minor league team um, when I was in Wichita Falls, but that's pretty fun. Side so another story. Okay, so these Stanley Cups, right? Yep. Like y'all have seen them. Like it, it's a massive thing, and it's got a huge handle on it. Honestly, I feel safer with Crystal carrying that around, like when she's not with me, because it's a self defense weapon. Honestly, it's heavy, especially if it's full of water. Like in a handle, you could whack somebody with it, but. Um, I saw hilarious reel and um, they were talking about all the different cup trends and like how was it the one where the guy was like was, uh, about to be where, where the guy was like, oh, yeah, welcome to the uh, the cup drawer or the cup cabinet. Yes. Of like <laughs> old cup trends. Yeah. Yeah. And they were talking about the most expensive cup as three hundred dollars. And they were like, what? No. And then. I got one of those now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the one it's from the, the hospital. It comes yeah, from the hospital the, bill. It's the medical jug, man. Yeah. Um, which I actually love this thing. Like, when I'm in the shop, it's got a little, like, cap for the straw right there. There you go. Like, you go. it keeps dust out of it, man. It's, mm. On a fun side note. Well, Yetis st- were, like, a thing for a while. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. This whole All the stainless steel, yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the, the Stanley Company, two years ago, made about $40 million with their the same thermos they've been making for 100-plus years. Yes, the green one. They made mm-hmm. over $780 million in 2023 just from the sale of that same basic Stanley Cup. And the trend now is to have... It's all trends, man. Oh, it's... it's the trend now is to have a different one for each season. So you have one for Valentine's and one for no. Christmas... And it's ridiculous because they're all like $75. And all it does is hold water. It does the and, same and thing. And no better than the Walmart one. No. no. You can go no. to Five Below, yes. which is, and and literally get mm-hmm. one that is $5 and it does the exact same thing. It looks the exact same way. It's probably like a Stan Lay instead of a Stan Lee. But I mean, <laughs> who cares? An armoire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've been making. <laughs> Metal thermal mugs for as long as I can remember. My yeah. dad had a Stanley thermos. It was silver mm-hmm. and it fell off. He had it in Colorado and he'd take coffee up when it was cold on the scaffold. Yeah. And he dropped it off the top of the scaffold and it dented it after he'd had it for like 30 years. Mm-hmm. So he got it in like the 60s and in the 80s that happened. And so he wrote him a letter and said, I really like your thing, but it broke the lid and I can't find the lid. And they sent him, they sent him a new lid oh, from like that. a 1960s Stanley. Yeah. And uh, told him, you know, they appreciated his, his, you know, writing that letter and all that stuff. But, um, yeah. but they were, there's a lot of companies that make those thermal vacuum sealed cups. It's just so stupid. It's just, it's just the internet. It's just social media. It's dumb kids. Remember when the kids were all excited because they found Stevie Nicks. This was yeah. a couple of years ago. 
And like, it was like a trend, like, give me a break. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will say one thing for it, though. Um, not exactly devil's advocate, but kind of um, is that like, especially like, if you're working like an office job, you know, like or you're at a desk for a lot of the day um, mm-hmm. and you have your vessel, right? Like that's where you get your 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 water from all day, your nutrients. And like if mm-hmm. it feels comfy and cool and it looks good and it's trendy like you feel better about it. Right. And you, you love keeping it full and it's like your safe place when you have this kind of thermos little thing. Um, I, I, I see Chris crystal loves like I, her little Stanley cup, like not little, her big ass Stanley cup. <laughs> and, uh, she goes nowhere without it. And so I kind of get it from that side. Like, is it overdone as far as looking at it as a cup and like utility? Yeah. But it's something you use the entire day. And, yeah. Dude, I mean, I like it, a quality product. I do like that they fit in my cup holder because a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of cups fit in my cup holder in my truck, and that drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. But I found one at a condo that somebody left behind, and it works just as good, and it's even bigger, and it's better, and it was nice. free. And they cost like $12 at Walmart, and it keeps yep. my coffee hot and my water cold. So at the same and I just time. wrote Stanley on there on the side with a Sharpie marker. Yep, well done. <laughs> at the same time. Got two chambers. Oh, have y'all seen the the stickers? Um, like a lot of people put them on like Coleman coolers, but like you know Yeti coolers. Yep, it's like uh, yeah, like really expensive but nice cooler. Um, I've seen. Have y'all seen? It's called uh, Shitty, like S H I T I, instead of Yeti, <laughs> <laughs> and they do it in the same font. <laughs> nice. And, uh, which Ross, I hope you don't have to bleep that out, but if you do, sorry. But uh, but yeah, people will slap those stickers on, but. I have a knockoff Yeti cooler. That thing's nice. awesome. Dude, uh, yeah. Oh, we got the what Bucky's here in uh, Texas was uh, selling some of those. But um, I lost what I was saying. Oh, I, I built a cup holder extender for my truck a um, handful of years ago. Like I had only had the CNC for like a year, and um, I just did it kind of in coins. Like I liked having a Nalgene bottle. Y'all, yep. y'all know those? Like the big yeah. cylindrical bottles, and it doesn't fit in any cup holders. No. And so um, I made it out of like an African mahogany, actually, and it's still Ooh. doing well today. And it's been in like the the most extreme temperatures as, as far as Houston goes. Right. So all the heat and all the cold and uh, it stays in the truck all the time. But um, but yeah, it was real simple, like cylindrical base that comes up to a bigger cylindrical that is whole, wholly in the middle. And uh, hmm. yeah, it was real simple, but it's lasted really well. So nice. Yeah. So just what's going on in your shop, man. Cup talk. Um, I mean, I, I got the, the uh, built-ins finally done and her handles and stuff installed. I ordered one of those hardware jigs where you can like, it, it lines up the holes for you to drill holes evenly. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, uh, for handles. Did you, did you order one one of like like an extension? Did you get one of the generic ones or did you get the specific woodpeckers one? This one was $70. No, this one was like 70 bucks. So it's by uh, Sonyo, San, Sonyo Wood Products or whatever. And it was the one that it like doesn't have rivets and stuff. It's like machined. It looks really nice. And I used it today and it even has an extension. So like like the, some of the drawers I had today were almost 36 inches wide. And so I needed one where I could multiply that like in half. So like 18 inches it would have to stand out 18 inches and have a stop. 
So I was very impressed with it. Super cool, super great way to do it. And then it's reversible. So like if you're doing doors, you do one door and then you flip it over and you do the other door, you know, and it, hmm. it works both front or it doesn't have a front or back. So that was nice. But we got all that completely finished. I did, um, for the first time in my life, I did, you know, pre-finished crown is a nightmare. Like yes. you can't, I don't have paint. I don't have paint. So I have that Joe Fusco chart where it tells you how to cut it flat. If it's 45, 45 crown or 38, 52 crown, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about? Yep. Cause they'll sit at a different angle on the wall. And the Joe Fusco makes this chart and there's some other charts out there that are the same. And it tells you like, if you're cutting a 90, then set your bevel on your saw for this and set your miter at this. Okay. And it tells you the angle. And most miters have a positive stop. It's like 31.6 and like 30.9 or something like that. I forget yeah. what it is yeah. for, for the 38.52. So this was Cove Crown, pre-finished white in maple. And it was probably close to six inches high. It was very difficult Jeez. to cut. And I got it. That's awesome. I got it. It was beautiful. Scared the snot out of me. So what we did is we wound up cutting it. And then I would like go up and hold it. I'm like, okay, because I can pretty much eyeball if it's going to be right. And then we held it together and pin nailed the corners together first. Mm -hmm. And then put it up to my marks and then bratted it in. And then we had like a chip stick, which worked pretty cool. Um, Did you actually have to put up because it was six inch high molding? Did you have to put a backer piece behind it? Yeah. No, the the way that the cabinets are designed, you have an inch of face frame above the top of the door. Oh. Uh, that's available. And on the side, you've got that little bit of face frame that sticks out a quarter inch past the sidewall. Mm-hmm. So I usually just take a bit of my filler strip and rip it a quarter inch thick. And then it's painted, you know, I'll save like a fresh edge and I'll have a quarter inch by three quarter inch piece of stuff. And then I keep it level with the top. And then I, I keep that line going all the way around and that furs it out on the side where there's a, a, um, that furs it out on the side where there's a face frame. And then I just keep it three quarter down from the face frame in the front. And that gives me a quarter inch gap above my door and it all lines up perfect. And then it creates a nice little detail and I, it's just easy to line up and I'll just make a couple tick marks at three quarter on the face okay. frame in the front um, when I put the crown up. So nice. no, it, it felt okay, especially when it's wrapping around a corner. It felt yeah. okay. It had some pretty good stuff to nail into. So anyway, we got that all done, toe kick and baseboards, and it had fancy molding and stuff. Got that all done. And then we milled that redwood, that red oak stuff. And God, that was, I think we talked about that last week. We did. You were exhausted. Wore us out. We glued that up today, and the more wood coming to, yeah, we milled. We glued that up today. Look good, and uh, we're gonna do um, some more tomorrow. The ongoing saga with our woodworks thing. There, people are fighting on there, calling each other effing morons and this and that about the table saw, and it's just like it's no just, way. Yeah, they're still going. That's all. Awesome. I mean, they just did it. He called him an, a C sucker. Like, I mean, it was just like, it's just got their calls. Quit being a Karen. Like it's going round and round. Cause Oh my God. 
yeah, like some of these guys, it's just like, who cares? And, and, and I, it's, I don't want to get into it with them and I'm not going to. Yeah, don't. I can have a long conversation about why and defend myself, but I don't have to defend myself to them. Let them say what they want to say. You know, it, it all it does is create, all it does is create more interactions. Our interactions are up like 450%, you know, no, because I, of these I was about idiots to say. talking. That was my question. So, like, is you, are you getting more views and stuff from it? Oh, yeah. That's had almost 30,000 views now. Hey, yeah. so I, I have a suggestion. Um, I think it might like to relay on this growth, which none of us, like, I, I feel like all of us are on the same page with this. Like, we don't want to build a page or like build a brand based on like drama or like on purpose doing stuff. Right. To, just, however, um, I feel like if you posted a video, and like uh, with just you talking to the camera and then like maybe show a clip of this and then explain why it was okay. Um, I feel like that might do well and be a good backup to uh, the previous one. And I don't know, kind of show your personality more and how you're more, I don't know, like thought out and um, just kind of show you on there. Right. Cause yeah, most, that's most of your videos idea. is music and you cutting stuff and no one knows if you're an asshole or if you're a nice guy or it would come to a conclusion very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that up to your interpretation. I don't think. No, I mean, I jerk, think that yeah. I think that it's it's uh, I appreciate them uh, caring about safety. But uh, I also think that let's be realistic about what really is safe and comfort and control mm-hmm. on a table saw is safe. And I think Ross would agree with that. Yep. And and if I if she had never used a table saw before, it would have been different. But she has you should see her house. That girl knows how to do woodwork just fine. And she just was nervous to be on camera. She wasn't nervous about cutting it. The other thing is, is I think a lot of these guys are used to using job site table saws. And yes. there's a big difference oh. on a job site table saw versus a five horsepower cast iron top cabinet saw. And that fence, that fence is perfect. It's always perfect, no matter where you put it. And mm-hmm. so you can cut, you know, I never would want somebody to cut something thin without a push stick. I don't cut anything thin without a push stick. But on a wider board and a short wide board, especially, um, I mean, people are saying don't stand behind the, the saw, like saw blade. And I'm like, so you want this little short girl with little short arms to stand to the side and do it? Now her wrist is going over the blade. Like what, what are these people talking about? <laughs> the, and they're, they're yeah. just trolls. Yeah. They're, I can't no, the, let the it. Safety police are insane about um, the table saws, which well, I, I said this when one, we talked about it last week. Like I was surprised whenever you had that picture of her pushing th- something through with, uh, with her hand, just cause I, I, you know, I, I've heard other people talk about it. I've never had anyone jump me on it, but um I know that anytime you have a table saw, like the, the safety police come out. Like if you're not wearing a Kevlar vest, eyeglasses oh, and a respirator, time, I'm going to be, and- I'm going to be in like a respirator <laughs> in a full Wait. like tree logger suit Wait. with like a chainsaw suit and like gloves and have like, and have like, you know, a uh, uh, dust collection around me and, you know, a cover on the thing. Like, it's just going to be, you get a beehive suit, a uh, suit just oh, in case there's bees God. in it. We'll wrap you in it's- bubble wrap. Oh, that'd be oh. hilarious. It's just absurd. Oh, man. So these guys, these guys just, 
I, I can understand where they're coming from, but I don't feel like I'm, I want to talk to them about it because I don't think it's going to get anywhere. And obviously it hasn't because yeah. other people have said stuff and well, they're I all think, being stupid. Yeah. Well, when you're talking to people online, never expect to change someone's mind, in my opinion. Like, no. like you're not going to win them over. Um, if anything, you would just be giving your point for the everyone else who's reading their comment. But yeah, I, oftentimes better stay off, but. Well, yeah, anyway, it doesn't bother me. I, 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 I will make sure that the next time we do post videos, just so I don't have to worry with it, that um, it's over safe about that. I don't know. So, like, uh, well, the thing it. is, is what you know he what? didn't see is they cut other things with a push stick. That's just the one that made it to the video. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. And that was extra wide board. And I said, you know, this is wider, so it's probably a little more comfortable for you to. Well, I'm not going to go into all that. That's none of their business. Like it just, it's just pointless. Yeah. So, uh, I, but anyway, I say, I say, screw them. Like if you're doing it safely in a safe manner, and you're not promoting any unsafe practices, screw them. Do it and um, yeah. let it, let them have a cow. What are they going to yeah, do? Un- unfollow you? No, they're going to f- keep following well, you. Well, no, because other people to their comments. Like, other people are coming in and saying you're being stupid. Like, but like, it, there's both sides of it on there, right? So you can't win for losing. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so that's going on. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, the 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 other the boss is still working on that new house. That he got. So we'll be doing that kitchen pretty soon. Maybe his thing. Uh, we haven't heard back from the um, the commercial job that we're supposed to get. But we've got plenty of stuff to do. I got to screw with the laser. I think I finally found a video that explained what's wrong with it. Um, from my Louisiana hobby guy. So I'm going to try to get that lined wait, up. There's something wrong with your laser? Yeah, because the camera moved after you left. And it wasn't staying on track. And so I even shrank it down to just exactly what's in the specs and I can't even see my whole bed and it wasn't cut. It wasn't lasering where the camera was at all. And uh, I found a way to adjust it after there's a way to adjust the X and Y axis after to line it up so that the two are the same. Um, It's actually quite simple. It's right in front of you. You just don't notice that it's there. So I'm going to screw with that. And, um, well, give me a call, man, that, if you want to troubleshoot it. Not that I'm a pro, yeah, but I, I will. I will. I will. Yeah. Very nice. Ross, man. Um, what, what do you got going on, brother? I delivered the built in bench. It took me a while, uh, to the build out was, was solid. I got that done. I was really pleased with how it came out. Uh, the Gorks Goodfilla wood filler stuff was incredible with because it was an all maple build, so it matched perfectly with the color. But then came time to stain it, and the furniture that the customer had, they had bought at like an Ashley Furniture somewhere, and it was kind of this two-tone brownish-gray color. And they were like, yeah, can you just have the piece you're building just match this? And I was like, I have no idea what color that's supposed to be. Um, And I went through four or five different iterations of trying to find the right color. And then a friend of mine was like, Hey, have you thought about layering the colors of stain? And I had totally forgotten about doing that because I haven't had to do it in like three years. 
but I ended up doing the espresso stain on the bottom, basically wiping all the oh. excess off and then doing carbon gray on top of that. And it was the okay. perfect mixture. And mm. um, I got all that done. Two and good colors. Yeah. Wait, so so you said you, you, you did both of the stains? Sorry. Uh, yeah. you, you, I, I don't yeah. know if it's my internet or yours, but no, I'm. So it's probably mine. I am. Right. I'm in. Um, I'm in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, at the moment. So I'm assuming it's the hotel internet. Oh. is not the best. But um, the gopher's yeah. not turning the wheel fast enough. <laughs> so well, so I, wait. So, so you did espresso and then the, then the charcoal on top of that. Yeah, and it gave this two tone yeah. effect because I did them one right after did you the let other. It dry? No, oh, you did it right after. Yeah. So it kind of blended together and it looked really good. And then I went to do the install and the only thing I had to do was scribe the, uh, the end plates to the uh, floor molding. And it took me an hour total completely like from delivery to walking out the door was an hour. It was one of the easiest installs I've ever done. And you in had my all life. your tools this time. <laughs> had all my tools. Had everything yeah, I needed. Baby. Yeah. And I actually, because the delivery was out, it was just north of of uh, Milwaukee. Um, that was I went on Sunday because I went to the Bears Packers game at Lambeau Field on Sunday, and um, I I basically was able to do the delivery on the way up to Lambeau watch the bears. And then I picked up my trailer um, the next day. So yeah. Very good. Very nice. Yeah. Dude. uh, That's weird. I, I guess I don't know my Northern geography of the U S honestly, I'm showing my, (laughs) I was like, wait, you're next to Milwaukee. I live exactly in between Chicago and Milwaukee. I'm, I'm technically a little bit closer to Chicago. But due north of me is Milwaukee, and then the customer was another twenty minutes north of there. Nice. And the only reason I know that is when I worked for the travel agency. Everybody in Chicago used to say, "Well, I could fly to Milwaukee." Everybody used to say that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Oh, I guess they are close." So. Yep, it's an hour in go. between them. So I don't know. Everything north of Oklahoma is Canada to me. So. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Everything no, south I, of I-80 is Louisiana to me, so I I get you. <laughs> Fair. Oh, they know not that. Get down the bayou, Boudreaux. Oh yeah. You got the um, tweed shakers and tweed wakers. <laughs> oh yeah. So, uh, boys, we are just over an hour, and I Here think it's time that uh, we get into a little bit of of trivia and some knowledge and all kinds of stuff. So. I'm going to leave it up to Jess oh, this yeah. time. What do you want to do first, sir? Let's do the what of the week this wow. week because I'm, wow. interest- I'm interested wow. to tell you. Wow. Oh, wow. 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 What of the week? Well, your internet sucks, but at least your uh, uh, sounds are working this week. Yeah. That's good. That's good. All right. So this is going to be kind of like this will probably be something none of us will ever use. Okay. Um, but it has such an unbelievable history and it's such an important part of history that I thought that I would, uh, talk about it. Okay. So for people that are history buffs and people that are like really rare, rare wood buffs, I think that you'll think this is interesting. So the wood of the week has many, many different names. The one that I'm going to give you is 
uh, Agarwood, A-G-A-R, one word, Agarwood, uh, also called Aloes Wood, Eaglewood, Gaharu Wood, or the Wood of the Gods, right? Or Wood of oh. Gods. But mostly it's referred to as Oud, all right, which is an Arabic word, Oud, okay. and you get Oud, Oud oil from it. So Agarwood is actually not the tree, but it's the heartwood that comes from the Fialophora. Well, let's back that up. It, the name of the tree is the Aquilaria trees or the Lane Aloes trees, right? And so what happens okay. is these trees get like, like a mold, like a fungus that starts to attack the tree. And right towards the end, the tree's like, all right, all holds bar. We got to stop this. And so it puts all this resin in the heartwood of the tree in which you get this aloes wood or agar wood. Okay. There okay. is known talkings of this agar wood from 63 CE. It's mentioned in the Bible. It's mentioned in the second oldest, uh, is it Chinese script? Is it Chinese? No, Japanese. In the Nihon Shoki, the Chronicles of Japan, the second oldest book is a mention of a large piece of fragrant wood identified as agarwood. Fragrant. Um, fragrant, yeah. And the famous piece of wood still remains in Japan today and is showcased less than 10 times per century at the Nara National Museum. Like this thing is like so important to their history. Uh, th this particular piece that is there is they're pretty sure it came from Prasat in Cambodia. So this wood is used in all these different religions. Um, they burn it for incense. They use the resin for medicinal properties, right? Like all kinds of different stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they make there's there's a piece of jewelry that I found from 63 CE that is made with agar wood and gold. Like that's how precious this stuff is to them uh, in Japan. So wow. uh, they still use it today to make perfume. Oh. Very high end fragrances use oud oil as the key ingredient because it has a really rich and distinctive aroma, especially in the Middle Eastern perfumeries and stuff. Uh, but it's now become more significant in the Western, you know, in the West with their luxury fragrances and stuff like that. What Asian was the other one we had that that like they would save the shavings from it um, um, to make sandalwood. sandalwood. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, sandalwood. Um, they make incense, traditional medicine still in Asian cultures. They use it as a digestive aid, as an aphrodisiac. Uh, they make jewelry out of it. Uh, it's considered symbols of status and luxury due to its rarity and cost. It is probably, I'm going to say probably the most expensive wood that there is in the world. One kilogram has can go for up to $100,000. And then like the oil Whoa. is right around the same, same amount. Yes. Very, very expensive. If you ever see like little pieces of it, it's just like little pieces. Like there's nobody turning pin blanks out of this stuff. Like, but they can um, derive the resin and stuff from it and make a lot of perfume from it in its concentrate 
and so on and so forth. So hmm. it's very, very cool. Oud oil is, I've heard of that before in like Arabic stuff. So, but it's used in Christian religions, Hindu, Muslim. They used it to make colognes, incense, perfumes. It's just quite a very interesting thing. Uh, it's mentioned in two different places in the Bible. That's called the aloes. So hmm. uh, it's 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 been a thing for a long, long time. They've been there using it to for the for its smell. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. There hey, is so- some furniture that has pieces of oud or agarwood in it, uh, like inlays and stuff like that, but nothing like super fancy that I could find that was like uh, famous or whatever. But it's so it's quite interesting. Uh, what color is it? Like, um, so like is it's it a dark very, light? Like, what's the grain look like too? So before it gets before it gets the fungus, it's like nothing. It looks like like a white maple. It's not like birch. But if it gets the fungus when it's cultivated aloes or the agarwood, it's a deep red color. Oh, kind of like red. you'd see in like sapwood in a pine tree, hmm. real resinous. What do they call that? Uh, Lighter or not? Like, so is, is it like a red, like a Paduke or like a, uh, like, um, African mahogany? I would say it's red, like an African mahogany. Okay. Yeah. It's quite beautiful. So anyway, look it up. Ooh. It's, you know, what's amazed me ever since I've started doing all these woods of the week and trivia and things like that and doing research, I can pick one thing, one thing like a wood. And you can go down a rabbit hole and learn so much. It just tells me every day how much we don't know. Like these people on the internet that think they know so much, <laughs> like Agarwood, like who's heard of that? And then I look up Agarwork and then it starts talking about these different trees and where the genus comes from. And then like this book in Japan, well, I could do, a, I could spend half my life reading about this book in Japan. Like there's so much information um, about one little thing there's so much you'll find so much information when you research just one little thing and it just kind of spider webs off into a million other things. Huh. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed reading about it. So there you go. Agarwood. What of the week? I like it. Is there trivia based right. on that? Or should we so, talk about a little bit of whiskey first? What I do have this week, this week, there there is trivia based somewhat on that. Okay. He's frozen. Wow. You think he's like fully Mr. frozen? Uh oh. Better get out right. that yeah, music. He's he's playing the trivia music. time. I wonder, I wonder if you can hear us now. <laughs> yep, I can hear you guys loud and clear. Better get on out that now. It's cool. It's trivia time. Are you there, Ross? There you go. Uh, he's okay. not moving. He's moving. We have, we have a heartbeat. There we go. Okay, so in go. line with our Agarwood this week, we have 10 multiple choice questions about trees, uh, mostly from North America, that are all used for medicines, perfumes, salves, Ooh. and so on and so forth. Okay, so let's see uh, what you guys know about other than making furniture. Or firewood out of these trees. Let's see what else you know about them. Okay. So first okay. question is going to be for Ross while he's clear. Okay. Not question number one. Which North American tree's bark is commonly used in traditional me- medicine for its salicylic acid, a compound similar to aspirin? 
Is it Douglas fir, white oak, the willow tree, or red maple? I'm going to go with the willow tree. Oh, I, I think you froze. Willows? No? Is that? It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's is it a, a really deep in thought looking up? <laughs> it's frozen probably at the moment. <laughs> it's a it's a deep pause of contemplation. Mm. No, I mean, this is I, a question, I, I uh, This is like a question on um, uh, one of our things when we had a guest, I think. Yeah, I uh, I think so. But I'll, I'll wasn't it. the well, answer well, willow? You can't answer it. You can't answer it. No, I can't. This is Ross's question. Uh, I, I can give you another question while we wait. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hit okay. Me. We'll move on to question two. Hopefully Ross comes back. Question number two. The resin from which tree is used in balms and salves for its soothing and healing properties. Is it balsam fir, Eastern red cedar, American elm, or sugar maple? Oh, you didn't say any of the ones I expected. Um, can you say the answers again? The resin from which tree is used in balms and salves for its soothing and healing properties. I was halfway expecting you to say sandalwood. Balsam fir, fir, eastern red cedar, American elm, or sugar maple. Oh, let's go with the cedar. That is incorrect. Oh, it It is balsam fir. Balsam fir resin is known. Oh wait, wait! It, it, it's like we can wait, Ross. Give me, give me two down things if you can hear me. Blink twice. <laughs> awesome. Oh, I guess he's still with us. Oh man, um, he's come. He'll be back. Wait, hey, Ross, text me the answers uh, for yours. <laughs> this will be fun. Okay, so well, oh. uh, well the. The balsam fir resin is known for its antiseptic properties and is often used in traditional healing balms and salves for cuts, burns, and other skin ailments. So, Ross, why don't you text us your answer if you're uh, there? He, he said he's restarting the modem right now. Okay. okay. Uh, just give me my next one. Okay. You want your next one? Yeah. Uh, which I, I, we'll I, think, I think I have the first answer, though, too. Okay. I'll just steal it from well, Ross. Hold so. on to it. Yeah, you can steal it if he doesn't come back. So, question... Uh, Can you guys hear me now? Which trees, leaves, and bark are used in extracts and teas for their potential anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial properties? I should know this. Is it sweet birch, sassafras, American beech, black walnut? Sassafras. Uh, That is correct. Sassafras has been traditionally used for various medicinal purposes. Its leaves and bark are thought to have anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial properties oh man i, I yep. guess so so ross is That's still doing the tones right so i guess he can hear us maybe <laughs> see us but he's he's here blank. he's here in, in wood it, spirit it's like we're yep. we're like he's moved on and we're like communicating mm-hmm. through him through like a seance this is awesome yeah yeah. My phone's off, so if he's texting, you gotta let me know. It, it's like okay. a Ouija board. Oh no, he, he texted Sassafras. Oh, well, I, I said that before I, I, I saw the text. So. Okay, so Ross, which was your, your answer? Which North American tree bark is commonly used in traditional medicine for salicylic acid? Doug fir, white oak, willow, or red maple? Uh the answer is willow. Hold on. I was gonna whistle. We'll see. Here. I'm gonna text it and then oh, Colton man. has to say whether it's right or wrong. He doesn't know. All right, let's no, go. No, I do know. Uh, I texted oh, him. Said Willow. It's Willow. That is correct. Yeah, Willow, yeah. Willow, Willow trees. Oh. Yeah, we talked about that a few episodes ago. 
There we Willow go. trees, particularly the bark, have been used for centuries for pain relief and reducing fever. The salicylic acid in willow bark is a precursor to the active ingredient in aspirin. Well, uh, it's well, also well, I, I guess salic I missed two. Salicylic right? acid is also used in acne treatments. Yeah, dude. Um, um, what you said is similar to aspirin. That sounds weird to me. Like yep. all, all I know is salicylic aspirin was when I was fighting acne. It's, yeah, uh, it's in aspirin too. In, really? Oh. Uh, oh, I guess aspirin is like a blood thinner kind of no 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 it's different whatever hmm. let's keep going all right <laughs> question number three this oil used in perfumery and aromatherapy with a warm woody scent is primarily extracted from which north american tree is it western hemlock juniper eastern white pine or eastern red cedar is that for me or ross technically that's for ross Oh, he said juniper. I said juniper, but that's me. That for is incorrect. It is oh. eastern red cedar. Eastern red cedar is valued. No eastern good. red cedar is valued for its fragrant wood oil, widely used in aromatherapy and perfumes, offering a warm woody scent. Mm. Okay, uh, on back to you. Uh, let's see. That would be one, two, and then he would get three. You got yeah, I, I, I'm even. Or no. Yeah, I'm evens. So number four is me. We already answered that one. Yeah, you already answered four. All right, so yeah. we're going to go on to five. Which tree's wood is prized for its antiseptic properties and is used in cosmetic products like skins, creams, and soaps? Is it mm. bald cypress, American chestnut, eastern red cedar, or white ash? All right, that one. That one's for Ross, right? Yes. All right. <clears throat> Pressure's on. What's he got? I'll read it again. Which tree's wood is prized for its antiseptic properties and used in cosmetic products like skin creams and soaps? Bald cypress, American chestnut, eastern red cedar, or white ash? Hmm. Um, I can say the what I'm leaning towards, right? It's not going to like ruin his sure. answer, right? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk it out. I'm leaning towards alpha there. Bald cypress, the wood that smells like butthole when you cut it. Okay. No longer leaning towards alpha. <laughs> <laughs> Have you oh, smell when you cut it? It smells well, terrible. I mean, uh, it can. White I oak. I've mostly white oak can really sink when you cut it too. Because a red oak, I cut red oak the other day, and it smells terrible. It smells like a porta potty. It's awful. I, I, but, I think that we lost Ross completely. Let's. Uh, you want to move on to my question? Let's let's move on to your question. Yeah. Question number six: The bark of which North American tree is used in skincare products for its astringent qualities? Oh, astringent. Mm. Is it American holiday? American holly? Witch Hazel, Black Cherry, or American Leiden? Linden, excuse me. Bravo, Witch Hazel. That is correct, Witch yeah! Hazel. Witch Hazel bark is widely used in skincare for its astringent properties. It helps in reducing skin irritation and a common ingredients in toners and aftershaves. All right. Here's, a, here's, a, here's one that is great. This is a great question. We're going to let All you right. get it here. Saponins. S-A-P- Saponin, just like it sounds. Saponins used in cosmetics 
as natural foaming agents are found in the wood of which tree? Mm-hmm. Well, we got Ross version. 2. Oh, we got Ross version two point oh, baby. And I'm Ross here on both. I've been able to Wait, hear you guys the whole time. You got two cameras. Going. You just can't hear me. Hold on. <laughs> You're gonna have to. Meet. <laughs> All right. Do you want to move on? All right. So, oh, there you go. So here we go. Um, which one? Oh, Thank which you. tree's wood is prized for its? This is this is uh this is for Ross. Which tree's wood is prized for its antiseptic properties properties and is used in cosmetic products like skin creams and soaps? Old cypress, American chestnut, eastern red cedar, or white ash? Eastern red cedar. That is correct. It is another eastern red cedar. Uh, very good. Okay, so you got what's his name? Just got playing, still doing double for you, Jess, or he's just moving on with it. I don't know. He wasn't. He had one muted. I know. Just now, like I heard it, like right after each other, double. Well, let's let's keep moving on. All right. So saponins. This is for you, Colton. Is used in cosmetics as. Oh no! Wait. I'm sorry. This is for Ross. Saponins used in cosmetics as natural foaming agents are found in the wood of which tree? Is it the quaking aspen, Kentucky coffee tree, American elm, or sugar maple? That is incorrect. It is the Kentucky coffee tree. Never heard of it. Oh, man. It contains saponins, natural compounds that create a foam, making it a unique ingredient in natural cosmetic products. All right. Question number eight. This is for you, Colt. Which tree's essential oil is used in perfumes for its unique smoky aroma? Smoky. Is it, okay. Is it? You'll definitely get this one. Is it Ponderosa Pine? Black spruce, sweet gum, or mesquite. Why did you put the pressure on? <laughs> I would definitely get it. Wait, wait, wait. Oh my God. Read the answers again. I'm so sorry. Which tree's essential oil is used in perfumes for its unique smoky aroma? Ponderosa pine, black spruce, sweet gum, or mesquite? Smoky? Like, oh, I mean, we use mesquite with like smoky for like. Food and things. Oh gosh, I'll go with mesquite. That is correct. All right, mesquite wood, when distilled, produces an essential oil known for its unique smoky aroma, making it a popular choice in certain perfumes and fragrances. That's weird. I would right, get in my head there, Jess. Question number nine for Ross: The bark of which tree is used in traditional remedies for relieving coughs and bronchial issues? Is it slippery elm, white birch, red alder, or black willow? Red alder. Incorrect. It is <laughs> slippery elm. Slippery elm bark has a long history of use in traditional remedies, particularly for treating coughs and soothing bronchial irritation due to its mucilaginous properties. You just say that the slippery elm is very mucusy. It is anti-mucilaginous. Mucilaginous. That's it. The slippery. Uh, what? That's. I feel like you're making this up now, Jess. That's that's odd. Well, I'm. The internet doesn't lie. <laughs> 
All right, question number, that's a fact. All right, question number 10. This is for Ross. Are you ready? Which yep. North American trees resin is used in perfumes and scented products for its sweet vanilla-like fragrance? Is it balsam poplar, American sycamore, tulip tree, or the Pacific yew? Let's go with sycamore. That is incorrect. It is the it is the balsam poplar. Balsam poplar resin is known for its sweet vanilla-like fragrance. It is commonly used in perfumes and other scented products for its pleasant aroma. And that is this week's wood trivia, medicine Woo! wood. Well, all right. well, we appreciate you persevering, Ross. As I said, I, I I could hear everything. I could see you guys. I couldn't see Colton, but you were oh, yeah, you went whatever. to black screen you at know. one point. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so now we're on to the whiskey of the week oh, segment of things. Yeah. Colton, are you ready for this? I am ecstatic about this. Um, wait, also, uh, actually, um, is Santa sack big? Hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> The whiskey of the week. So the whiskey of the week for last week was the Booker's bourbon out of Kentucky. Now, Colton, you've already discussed it a little bit on this podcast. Were you able to procure it and did it dandy? Oh, yeah. it. I procured it and I would never mix this cocktail with ginger. Or this liquor with ginger, but it it dandied it dandied dandied my my uh, my face off, man. I actually got it right here. Comes in its nice little box, which I guess what were y'all thinking? It was birch or ash or something. I can't remember. Pine. Oh, it might be a pine. Like radio. Uh, there's pine there's, there's so many different kinds of pine out there, but but yeah. So I this one was really hard to procure, man. I had to call about ten different liquor stores. And only one of them had one bottle of it. And uh, I can't remember if we talked about it in the last time, but the uh, bookers I've learned in the last few days that they do four batches a year. Right. And so I got the 2023 batch um, number three. And this batch is uh, called the mighty fine batch. And it's cause um, the master distiller, uh, used to say what it was a, it's a mighty fine batch followed by that's a damn good batch. Um, that's what the card is saying, but yeah, it, it's crazy. It even has like the different percentages of which warehouse it came from. And, but yeah, man, it, you know, it's 126%, right? And so it's coming at you hot, but it really backs it up. It kind of like coats your whole palate, like your whole tongue, and mouth is like, it's not on fire. Like you drank a shot of Everclear, right? It's like, I don't know. It's like you smoked a really dang good cigar and ate like a vanilla candy at the same time. But like, hmm. I don't know. It The whole, to personify it, the, the whiskey makes me think of like freedom. You know, kind of like, like Braveheart, but not Braveheart, but like the freedom you had like your first job you ever had and like maybe your first big paycheck on a Friday 
and you got a tank full of gas in in your single cab F-150, and it's Friday, you're ready to go out with your high school girlfriend, and the world's yours, your world's your oyster, man. And there's very little, I don't know, responsibilities outside just having a good time, man. And it it tastes like freedom, dude. And I love it. It yeah, it blew my socks off. So this was definitely the most expensive bottle we've had. You know, this one came in at 120 bucks for me. And at least here in Houston. And yeah, that's definitely on the pricier side. Yeah, we were you expecting less than that? I was expecting somewhere in the 85-ish to 100 range. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't mind paying it. Like, this one's going to sit on my shelf for a while. Like, I am glad I, I got it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mentioned before, last time I had Booker's was over a decade ago. Um, took a college girlfriend on a date, and her dad was paying for dinner or whatever and encouraged me to get a nice whiskey. And so I got the Booker's 30-year which at that point, it was just drinking whiskey and trying to act like it tastes good. <laughs> you know, I was pretty early on in it. But um, yeah, no, dude, this was this one's nuts. Like if you got the cash to spend on it, like this is this one's going to be a fun pull it out for celebrations and things. But for the cocktail, I I didn't want to get adventurous um, simply because I didn't want to waste it. Right. And so I went with one that in the past has complimented good whiskeys. And, um, I did the Boulevardier, right. Which is just Campari. Sweet. How did it work? Yeah. It's just Campari sweet vermouth. Right. But, um, at first, not great. Like, um, I poured the cocktail and I didn't like this little, you call this a tulip glass, right. Or something. A coupe glass. Coupe glass. Yeah. And, um, I did in the coupe glass and all I could taste was the freaking sweet vermouth. And I even went and bought brand new sweet vermouth today just because I thought my, old, my other one was spoiled. And like, it was not great. I even downplayed it a little bit. And so I literally poured the cocktail back into the shaker and, uh, which I'm not shaking this, I'm stirring it, but poured it back into the shaker and, um, added a little bit more of the Campari, a little bit more of the whiskey and poured it back in. And then now it's freaking delicious. And so I need to go even less on the sweet vermouth. Um, I don't know if that's me or if that's just all cocktails, like their instructions just say vermouth way too much is an vermouth. acquired taste. Yeah. I just, it, and it's not that I hate vermouth. It's just that it overpowers it and it just tastes like soggy wine. And I want to, yes. I want to compliment the, the whiskey. Right. And like yep. all it tastes was like sad wine, which maybe I've only had one brand of vermouth, um, like the Rosa or whatever. Like I, I need to try some other vermouths. I think you'd mentioned one before I need to try, but yeah. But yeah. So, okay. You know what? This one, I, I, I'm excited about this one, man. This, this was a good bookers one. Like, Good one for the books, if you will. Uh, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, um, the uh, yeah. the whiskey of the week going into next week is the Cedar Ridge Iowa Bourbon, and Cedar Ridge was the first legal distillery in the state of Iowa, and it is kind of heralded as one of the classic American whiskeys. It's usually number twenty five on most people's top twenty five out there. 
but it is a true corn whiskey. So, oh, okay. I'm curious to see what you think about that one. Do you think this one will be similar to um, the Balcones, like blue? Uh, hopefully, it won't suck as much. Oh, did I give that one a bad one? Bad review? I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, shoot. <laughs> you were not a fan of that one. Um, nice. Well, uh, so the Cedar Ridge, Iowa bourbon. All right, man. Yep. And okay, I'm actually yep. going to try to call ahead this week uh, and see if I can find it. And if not, try to order it so that we for sure get it. There you go. And um, okay, we'll have a skip week. Uh, or do you think it's distributed in Texas? Well, or it should okay. be. Okay, cool. Never mind. I won't worry then. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, kind of, you know, pushing up now on an hour and a half. Do you boys have any nuggets you want to share or anything else we want to cover before we jump into nugget time? I'm, I'm, I'm all, I've got a nugget. I'm all chicken nuggies, baby. All right, share it up. Uh, I will say that next week I want you guys to brush up. Uh, I know, I don't know whether or not we'll have a guest or not, but um, I did find or kind of create this since it was our first broadcast of the um, of the new year, I wanted to do, um, of 2024, I wanted to do some first questions about you guys. But we, we'll do it next week because we kind of ran out of time. But just think about we some of your, now. You want to do a couple? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, forget it. Let's do it now. Yeah, I'm done. Well, I've got 30 of them, so we can't do them all, but uh, let's just pick a a (laughs) couple. Let's Um, do like top three for each of us. Yeah. Okay. Let's do top three. Okay. So what's the first thing that you can ever remember building that was like functional? Oh, Uh, functional or for? First thing I remember building was a footstool. In the Indian guides, I was probably in kindergarten. Okay. That's awesome. Mm. Kindergarten, huh? It's still in my parents' house. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, not so much functional, but I remember um, when I was real young, like middle school or younger maybe, um, my friend's dad had like a little machine shop in his garage, but we were using some of his machine tools to – play with wood and um out of like duct tape like a drill press and other stuff we'd make like these guns and had slings for them and we'd spray paint them very cool i think i did some of that stuff the first real thing that i ever remember building is and i didn't know how to use a skill saw my dad didn't want me to use it is there was like these two neighborhoods and my friend lived in this other neighborhood and you could walk through the woods but there was like a creek that you couldn't get like through the creek it was too deep and too far apart to jump over it. But I would like go over and like ride my bike over there all the time. And so I had gone to work with my dad and gotten pieces of like two by fours and like leftover plywood and stuff and made a little bridge that went across it. And my dad helped me cut the plywood and, um, and I like, you know, sistered some two by fours on it and he had screws and stuff. I think that's probably the first real thing that I ever made that was like functional. So I made a couple, a lot were of either of you guys in, were either of you guys in Cub Scouts? Oh, I, I, I I'm not. an Eagle Scout, baby. Yeah. Yeah. 
Me too. Oh, you're just gonna, um, Do you remember making your Pinewood Derby cars? Yeah. Oh, why didn't that come to mind? Like, I was just sitting here. I was like, oh, my God. My dad's going to listen to this, and he's going to be like, you didn't say our thing that we built. And I'm like, what is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Dude, we went all out on ours. But go ahead, Ross. How'd you do yours? Yeah. Like, I remember for years building Pinewood Derby cars. That sounds and some like of so my earliest fun. woodworking memories are those. Oh, that's really cool. Dude, we got real deep into ours, man. Like, like we were, we bought a VHS tape that was like showing like different like mindsets around it. And um, the one we ended up settling on, it looks kind of like a wishbone, right? Like it's real thin in the middle. And then like it has like a swoops yeah. on the outside. And then we would take a spoon and put it in sand and melt. Um, lead and then pour it in there for like the the cab and the weight and you put all the weight at the back oh man oh then you even you even weight the wheels and stuff on like graphite yeah wow sorry i'm having a yeah. whole flashback right here like that sounds like so much fun well done ross that's a good one man oh yeah okay yeah. Well, a song what's the next question yes along that same token can you recall your earliest Childhood memory is far like your earliest, earliest memory. I have a weird memory mm. of being like, I don't know if it's a dream or memory, but like in a basement. And I think that the only time we've had a basement was in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. I was actually born in Minnesota, even though I think everything north of Oklahoma is Canada. But um, I only lived there for the first like two years of my life. But um, I feel like it's either that memory is either from there or from Lawton, Oklahoma. And um, that was the next place we moved before we moved to Texas. So that was like first few years. Uh, earliest memory for me. I can remember like scenes, like images of like where we were when we did stuff. But I'm probably going back to like year to year and a half old maybe two years old, but I remember we went to a, a very random Christmas at a moose lodge. Um, my grandpa used to be really big in like the moose lodge and elks lodge and all those kind of fraternal organizations. And he made sure that we went to one of their Christmas parties. And I think I was like two, but I remember a very sketchy looking drunk man coming in as Santa Claus <laughs> and my dad was like, we're not doing these anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. My earliest uh, memory as a child, I have two. Like, one, I remember sitting on the floor in this, like, apartment, and I remember the brown carpet because it was, like, the 80s, and, like, my dad coming home from work or whatever, and my sister being there, and everything in the couches and all that. And I told my mom that memory. She's like, there's no way that you remember that you were like a baby. Like you couldn't, that was like our apartment in Colorado. And I was like, I remember it. And then the other memory that I have, that's probably around that I was, I guess, potty training and I fell in the toilet and my dad was oh. on the, in the bathtub. Like, and I, you know, when you're a kid, you got to go. Right. So he's like in the tub. And I fall in the toilet and I remember him laughing, ha, 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 like that, that I fell in the toilet and then I was laughing. Those are like my two, like as early as I can remember memories. So, man, yeah. that's, that's pretty vivid for that far back too. 
Wow. Yeah, it's very far back. All right, here's the last Ooh. one. Well, who? What was the first concert you ever went to? Weirdo Yankovic. <laughs> oh no way, Weirdo, dude. That's awesome. I love Weirdo. Oh. You know what's funny? There's some songs that, like, every time I hear that song, like, all I first think of the Weird Al lyrics before I think of, uh, of course, yeah. pretty fly for a rabbi. <laughs> like, that one's definitely a big one. <laughs> oh man, Amish um, Paradise. That's the Weird Al song I remember. Yeah. Oh, uh, but yeah, it was Weird Al, and then my first rock concert was Silver Chair. Oh, sweet. Oh, dude. Yeah. Used to play a silver chair song. Um, what about you, Cole? You want to fat boy? I remember I uh, oh, I had this high school girlfriend who had to go to this uh, Miranda Lambert concert at a venue, and it was way more money than I had in high school at the time, but I somehow got them, spent everything I had to get tickets to this uh, freaking concert that yeah, I think she was wanting to go more for the sake of going. This was before likes really on social. Actually, Facebook was around, kind of. But yeah, that it not a great first experience. But the first concert that me and Crystal went to was Bring Me the Horizon, and nice that was freaking awesome, dude. Uh, was it uh, this uh, band called Fever Three 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 open for him? And uh, and this is like metalcore, I, th- I think is what the genre mm-hmm. they fit in. And this drummer, uh, th- there's three people in, me- in Fever 333, right? And the lead singer is like, uh, at one point, it goes to just like an instrumental breakdown, right? And he pulls like just like a solo drum, and it was a taller drum. Um, straight, you can name it. You know, both, either of y'all can name it, whatever. It's, it's a taller drum about that big he puts it in center stage and he's like banging on it for like this uh, instrumental breakdown and then at the end of it he grabs his drum and he throws it as high as he can in the air and it like he goes backwards on the stage doesn't land on fans or anything but i was just like oh i love metal concerts <laughs> like this is awesome <laughs> like oh yeah <laughs> and um yeah oh you know what it actually that ties back to uh, the woodworking stuff because at that night we met um, uh, Trent, um, and Trent's dad is the one who bought that um, or who commissioned me for that huge sunken cypress table I've talked so much about, and right. that was the table Next. that pushed me to go full time into Colt Crit. Wow! It, yeah, full cool. circle. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that, but. Hmm. How about you, Jess? I, How about you, Jess? I think the I think the first concert concert I ever went to was I had been sick, really sick for like two weeks, and I was finally feeling a little bit better. And my parents had gotten tickets in the Marina Civic Center in Panama City to Trisha Yearwood. And Trisha Yearwood played, and it was actually pretty good. I mean, I was, you know, my dad listened to country stuff, so it's too, but my first like concert that I went to, like without my parents by myself was, um, it was Jimmy's chicken shack and, uh, Everclear. And it was amazing. And it was this little tiny venue in Tallahassee called the moon where somebody was shot the week before. My parents were real excited about me going there, but we went anyway. And I was like in the mosh pit and it was amazing. And I love, I still love Everclear ever since. 
Oh, it's they, just like nice. Yeah, they just rock that place. I remember there's one song I know well from them, but oh, uh, there's I a lot of remember. songs. Yeah, uh, the, I, I, there's one that I know from. I know. Father of Mine is probably one of their biggest. Oh, I, yeah, exactly. That's that's one thing. I know. Yeah, yeah. Father of Mine. How have you? Did you did you rip a doobie while you were there? No, I did not. But I didn't need to because the whole uh, place had a contact high. Let me tell you right now. Uh, I bet. That, yeah, that's absolutely. what I was asking. I remember at one point, me and my buddy were like, you know, we're just getting knocked around and like everything kind of just got blurry. And like I could have fallen down, but I couldn't because I was sandwiched in by a bunch of people. There was girls and panties like Bosch and, oh, and wow. like uh, crowd surfing. I mean, it was wild. It was so much fun. Dude, I didn't know they went that hard. That's some, that's crazy. Oh, they go. Yeah. Jimmy's Chim- Jimmy's Chicken Shack. There's another band called Sonochrome, which was kind of fun, and 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 then Everclear played, and it was uh, amazing. Girls were throwing the bras on stage, the whole thing. It was tiny. I mean, the whole place couldn't fit 1,500 people. It was really good. Yeah, so, I, I I mean, I throw my dollars, twenty five dollars, twenty five dollars to wow. get in there. It was amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I throw my panties at an Everclear show. Okay. Let's say that. Oh, for yeah. sure. It was amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. That was fun. I've got well, more for well, next in, week. Interesting questions, man. Yeah. All right. You want one more? I got one more. Sure. Okay. Let's do one more instead of a nugget this week. Okay. That's good. That's yeah. good. So this is a, this will be along with nuggets. Uh, what was the first big risk you took? It could big have to risk. do with your woodworking. Mm. It could have to do with your, uh, career choices. It could have to do with your getting married, dating a girl, anything, having a kid, anything yeah. you feel like was a big risk in your life that you're really nervous about. So I was trying to think of one outside of like the obvious one for me, but honestly, yeah, the biggest risk I took was yeah going full time with the woodworking stuff. Um, I mean, and we're coming up on two years into it. Uh, still not, sane but alive and yeah yeah it's um has it been worth it like hell yeah so far it i don't know it it it, it, i wouldn't be me if i kept faking like i was okay with where i was at like in um in my day job you know and yeah Now, the question was the first risk or the biggest risk? The first big risk. Kind of uh, two for one there. Whichever one you take want. Risks. I got to think on this one. My first big, my biggest risk, I think, was when I moved to Tampa. Oh. That was my first big risk because I had been in Panama City my whole life. I mean, I knew everybody. Uh, I changed my whole life, like everything. And it just so happened that I got into woodworking, which is what I always wanted to do. And it all worked out in the end. Um, but I, I just moved here on a whim and, um, it was a big, it was a big risk. It was a really big risk. I didn't have my family with me. I didn't have my kids with me. I didn't have anybody with me. And it was a really, really hard time in my life, but I made the best out of it. And I still am. Um, but yeah. it was a, it was a big risk. It was a big, big risk. And it's played out, huh? I would say yeah, the f- it has. I met Ashley. Yeah. 
Yeah. The first major big risk that I took was moving to greater New York with a girl I'd been dating three months. And I thought I had gotten enough of a raise to move out to New York. Oh, turns out it was not at all. And, um, that girl is my wife now. And we've been married for 12 years. And, uh, that time out in New York was, was wild because we were broke as a joke. Like after our bills were paid, I'm not even kidding. We had $37 to our name each week and we had to like eat off of that and still be kind of social. And we wouldn't be where we are as a couple right now. And as a family without that year. Yeah. And I wouldn't be in where I am in my career without that year. So dude, that would be my big one. Yeah. I feel like uh, going through a struggle with your significant other, it like, well, first off, puts you both to the test, right? So you can see what your partner's really yep. made of, right? And you see what you're really made of. Mm-hmm. And surviving through that, man, that's... We'll have well, to deep dive yeah. on that. Three months? Yeah. Well, we had been dating for three months, and I found out I was going to have to move. And three months later, we moved out there. Like, I found out my role was going to change, and she was like, you should do it. And... At that point, she was like already starting to kind of move in with me. And I was like, you're already packing stuff up at your place to move here. Do you want to just move to New York with me? And she was like, all right. So by the time we moved out there, we were just shy of six months together. And within three months of being out there, I proposed. So I I knew before we moved, but. Wow. Yeah. But so you you proposed. um Within nine a year? Months. Nine months in. All right. Yep. Well, honestly. Nine months I, in, and we were married nine months later. I feel like there's something good to talk about. I used to judge, like, based on time, right? Like, how long people dated before they got married, before they did whatever. But um, when I met Crystal, like, and everything started progressing, it just made sense, right? Like, yep. like just know. Yeah, we, we, we moved in together way earlier than I would have ever, ever thought. Right. Like time wise. Oh yeah. And like, sometimes you just, especially as you get older, which, you know, uh, when you get older, you, you're able to, when you know, you know, yeah. When you know, you know, man, that's, uh, how many people do you think you dated before yeah. her? Ross seriously dated or yeah, sure. Just in general. Uh, seriously dated was three or four. Right. Uh, but I had, you know, month long here or there, high school all the way through probably 10 different people, but I had, I, I knew what I wanted. Like my son was, was already six, five or six when we met. So like, I knew I wasn't messing around and knew what I wanted out of stuff. So yeah. Interesting. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. When you know, you know. Okay, so, very good. Well, thank you guys well, for boys, your we're, uh Yeah, we're just shy of uh, two hours here. Should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. I guess so. First podcast of 2024. Okay. Woo! Woo! One down. It's the second one of 2024. Is, is it? Yeah, we did one last week. 
But oh. today's... Wait, it is no, the 10th. Okay, oh, that's why I said the second podcast. No, it can't oh, be. What's today? Then? Oh, we did do one last week, didn't we? Because it was after New Year's. Yeah. Okay, well, whatever. It's the second podcast. Of the year. <laughs> you got me all yeah. excited. That's embarrassing on my part. <laughs> that's embarrassing on my part. Like, I was like, wait, is it the Dude, first Dude, I don't know what day like, it is. Like, like I said, this last week has been a blur. So Yeah, it's always yeah. a blur for me. Well, either well, way. With that in mind, to all of our listeners out there, be sure to hit the like and subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed every second of this episode. And if you didn't, please send all your complaints to our streetwise legal representation at Debo's Bike Rental and Legal Services, where their motto is, That's my bike, sucker. <laughs> For Jess Coleman Ross, this has been the Beat Around the Bench podcast, and we will catch you all next time. See ya. Yeah.